so, you have an incurable progressive illness, or maybe were thrown an unexpected disability. What the heck, universe? Living with a chronic illness can really suck. Seriously, it sucks, and we'd like a refund. So, let's flip the script and let it make you instead of break you. Oh my goodness. I'm very excited about today's episode because this woman, I don't think you understand how much of an impact that you've had in my life at all. (laughs) Jenna Green, everyone. The Jenna Green. I love you. I love you. Because I put on makeup today. (laughs) No, it's really funny though. It's like, it's like the, the, the whole diagnostic process and the people that you like you and Damien Washington were the first two people that I really soulfully connected with. It wasn't just like an online relationship or an online friendship, but it was something so much more and so much more substantial than that, that like the two of you. And and when I met him, a couple of months ago at Dunk MS, like him and I had the longest, most awkward, you know, crying, soulful hug because, and it's like you, you were that person too. And you and I have not physically met yet. You're like a sister to me and I love you so much. And thank you for being here. Oh, well, uh, I feel completely the same. And yeah, you don't feel like someone I've never met. And I know when we do get to meet, it's not going to be weird it's going to be like we've always known each other totally have in my head at least and um I felt the same way when I met Damien it was amazing it was like years ago um, we met in person but um it was it was great and there it's you know like Damien says and I've we all said like MS sucks. We could, we don't recommend it like zero stars, but because of it, <laughs> do not recommend. Right, like zero stars. Do not recommend. Like if I'm reviewing this on Google, zero stars. But <laughs> five stars for the people that I've met because of this diagnosis. I don't recommend that you get one. Not not any of them really. Zero stars. Don't recommend. But the people that I've met because of it are. Like they're my soul friends, my soul family, yeah. you know, in yeah. so many ways. And they've made, you've made such a difference in my life. And you uh, have made such a difference in my life. I came into this not knowing what I was doing. And I know like we've talked about this too, where after your diagnosis, you just, your, your life just takes this like monumental shift. Everything shifts, relationships shifts, your perspective of life, your con- your concept of time, um, you know, boundaries and listening to parameters that your body is setting, like everything changes. And I hear so many people that just have not quite been able to be successful at really cultivating community and really embracing community. And that just breaks my heart. So it's like, please listen to us because we, we would like to think that we know something and we like to think that we're, we're, you know, community cultivators <laughs> in some aspect. Um, but yeah, community is everything. You, you guys have just been like my family. Yeah. I, for me too. The community has made the biggest difference in my life, especially when I was first diagnosed. But honestly, I can't think of a time where the community in the last seven and a half years hasn't been making a huge difference in my life. Even yeah. if I'm showing up online every day or once a week, like 
I know that I can always count on this community, even if I'm in the same room or hanging out with someone that I know because of this diagnosis, or if I'm talking to someone that's, you know, on the other side of the country. Yeah. Isn't that the coolest thing too? It's like just making friendships in every country. It's amazing. It's like, Mm -hmm. I get, I need to stock up vacation travel vouchers. (laughs) Um, Same. Let's go. Let's plan a trip. Um, So for those vacation. I know, totally. So for those that don't know you, um, Jenna Green is also an MS warrior, multiple sclerosis warrior, um, disability advocate, multiple sclerosis advocate, content creator. Girl, you do everything. Tell us more about your when you were diagnosed and, and what you do and what, I guess, brought you to this new life. Oh, gosh, such a good question. Um, I feel like this new life and all of it is a constant growth and change process, but um, I shall start at the beginning. So about, um, I guess it was November, 2015. <clears throat> wow, dates are hard. Um, I get it. <laughs> November, I know you do, I love that. That's the great thing about chronic illness friends is they they get you. I mean, yeah, I totally understand. Yes, and they're like, oh, when you say words are hard or sorry, my body is not cooperating, I'm going to be 15 minutes late and I'm really not trying to be rude because I was dressed an hour ago, you know. <laughs> um, so in 2015, um, I looked the healthiest I'd ever been probably in, in my adult life. I was physically um, deep in the hustle culture, which no shame on that. Like I was, um, I've been in marketing and social media marketing since we called it new media because now I'm dating myself on the internet. Um, <laughs> but that's okay because my niece also did not believe that I was older than the YouTube. And I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Because you were born in, how old are you, Jenna? I can't remember again. Uh, I'm 39 and I own every year now because okay, I'm so, like, girl, so you're, every year. you're still technically a millennial, right? Technically, I'm an elder millennial. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'll am i be 35 in November. So we're both, el- we're elder millennials. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we're elder millennials. So yes, I, I went to uh, school for marketing and business and I graduated and I worked in an advertising agency and we had this social media thing, but we didn't, we called it new media. Facebook was just for college kids. Yeah. AOL college kids. Yeah, we had AIM. Um, so anyway, that's my background. And um, I worked in corporate America and many different uh, companies throughout Massachusetts and um, for many years. And then I started freelancing and contracting on my own. So in 2015, I was already working for myself, but I was deep into the hustle culture. I had a whole ton of clients. I even walked dogs for my friend's dog walking business on the side because, you know, I love animals. Um, And I did that just when I got started to make sure I could make enough money. And then I kind of kept doing it just because I loved it. And so I was walking dogs and I was, um, you know, been eating very healthy and I'd lost some weight and I was in a car accident a few years prior. And of course, you know, they blamed all the pain on my weight, even though I was just as heavy the day before the car accident with no pain. So it was the right. day after. 
And I definitely had some symptoms that I now look back on and see were probably MS, like tingling, numbness, things like that. But yeah. I chalked it up to the pain that I have from the car accident. And, you know, so I was working all the time, hustle culture, um, not listening to my body. I had no idea what that meant. Um, but mm. I had um, I had a pancreatitis attack and then I had my gallbladder out, which is pretty common in like just a day surgery. But two weeks later, I had optic neuritis in my left eye, which felt like, I don't know, I, I felt dizzy. I felt off. Like I felt like weird. Right. You know? And so, yeah. um, I talked to my surgeon and everything and he was like, it doesn't seem related, but I do think you should go to the ER. And I went to the ER and of course that doctor blew me off and told me to go home and like drink some more water, eat more food or something. Cause they had been on <laughs> hydration will fix your eye. Right. He didn't, he didn't even do a neurological exam. Um, but he said it would get better in, um, a couple of weeks to go to a neurologist. And so I didn't get better. And as much as I was pretending everything was fine, cause I was still working all the time driving myself, which probably not the safest thing. Don't recommend. Um, I did end up going to see a neurologist in Boston, Beth Israel, which is um, close to where I lived at the time. Yeah. Um, and they they pretty immediately knew something was really wrong. Yeah. So. Medical in Massachusetts. You, I mean, it, so Jenna and I share a common link. We're both from Massachusetts. I grew up in like South Shore area, Kingston, Plymouth, Pembroke. And then you were you were close to Braintree. Um, right? I lived close to Braintree um, for the last decade or so until this past year, but, um, I grew up, um, more like Southeast Massachusetts near like Patriots place. Yeah. So yeah, you, Massachusetts medical. Yeah, totally. We, we, we had the best medical ever in Massachusetts. And I had had and still have great insurance. So I had a lot of privilege and I was luckily diagnosed very quickly, um, in terms of, you know, I've heard other stories um, that have been a lot harder. Um, oh, I know. And I, Years. Right. And, yeah. you know, while I had like, well, there was evidence that I had previous flare ups and, you know, lesions on my brain. So I'd obviously had it for longer. And I was diagnosed rather quickly, um, which was great. And I chose to get on what was. I think the newest and statistically most effective infusion um, every four weeks when I was first diagnosed um, with the advisement of my neurologist. And I started that rather quickly despite the insurance hurdles that I had to go through, which kind yeah. of um, that is what propelled me to speak up and really share publicly my MS diagnosis because I knew I knew how to use social media at the time. I had an e-commerce business and a social media platform and I worked for myself. So I didn't have to worry about disclosing to anyone. Um, my close family and friends knew and were as supportive as they could be um, because, you know, no one knows what to do or say in the beginning, even the person just newly diagnosed, no one knows. Right. I know. It's like that awkward stance of, well you're going to be okay. And it, 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 unless, unless your support system also collects autoimmune and chronic illness, I feel like there's a disconnect with the empathy and the understanding. 100%. Because like, you don't, you don't get it unless you get it. <laughs> right. And I don't want you to get it if you don't have it. 
Right. You know? Like I don't, I never wanted my grandmother to get it. I wanted to make her feel better about it. Right. Um, which is ironic and the people pleaser in me, you know, but, um, I did that for a long time was try to make other people feel better about it, my diagnosis. Um, and yeah. I realized that I had such a privilege to be able to speak up. And so I did. And I talked about the issues with the insurance company, which got resolved and it, it was fine. But um, it was that point where I really started to at least share some some details and, you know, find I had already been following people in the MS community and started actually connecting with them and finding more community. And I've always joked that like my friends live in my phone. Um, I love that. Oh my gosh. That's so poignant. Right. Like you live in my phone. I love that so much. You're right here. You're right here. here. It doesn't matter. We're just sitting next to each other. You know, it's so funny though. It sounds so minuscule and it sounds so silly to say, Oh, Instagram is, is everything. But man, I, I, I am one of those just paranoid, obsessive people about my account because if I ever lost it, I would be devastated because I lose connection with so many incredible people. And I'm that weirdo that like, if somebody sends me a message, I'll send a video message back. Like, I don't care if I'm on, you know, the couch or the toilet. I'm like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm that person. It's like, I love there's no shame. <laughs> Just, huh? I love those. I love that about you. <laughs> You're so caring and giving. And but um, it's it's just, I don't know. It's just I've never I've never fit in in life. I was I always like, rated. dude. Now I know that at at almost 35, I know that. But growing up as a kid, I was you know it was frustrating, and I was the theater kid. And and you know Massachusetts, it's like wicked big into sports and. You know, there's like the sports kids and the soccer kids and the football kids and the cheerleaders. And I'm like, I just want to go to an art school, man. (laughs) You know? And then the crazy overachievers who did it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Valedictorians over here. It's, it's, I was a valedictorian, but um, I did maybe have like a dozen extracurricular activities. See? I was insane. Exactly. I've been a constant overachiever my whole life. And then, um, one of the lessons from my MS diagnosis was truly to learn to listen to my own body. I've learned that the hard way probably 500 times now in the last seven years because I'm the someone that needs to be hit in the face with a fact quite a few times before um, the universe is finally giving me that lesson and figure that out. And, And honestly, it's an ongoing process because it's a dynamic disability and disease. So it can be completely different from one day to the next, which, you know, I try to remember and give myself grace on, but also not use an excuse, which is, you know, it's like a weird double-sided sword, double-edged sword. What's that yeah. word? You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. But I think it takes a lot of, um, a lot of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I went to therapy like immediately. I'm a big fan of therapy and I was in therapy beforehand. Um, But I went to, I hadn't, I wasn't in therapy at the time of my diagnosis. I went to therapy immediately, like someone recommended by my neurologist and she started telling me about the stages of grief with chronic illness. And I thought it was BS. And honestly, I don't think I processed everything for the first entire year because so much, so many other things were going on. I had two more surgeries and it was just 
it was too much. My body, my brain couldn't process it all. I couldn't handle it. Um, and See, the, fact that, the fact that your neurologist suggested and recommended grief counseling, I was, I just, I literally about a week and a half ago, just had a conversation with, um, a few different, uh, representatives from Hogue, Hogue Newport out here in Southern California. And I was discussing the fact that that is not a normal practice. And I do not understand and cannot understand for the love of God, why that is not a normal practice. But my brain immediately goes, oh, that's Massachusetts medical. That's the accessibility that mass general or, you know, whatever other medical affiliated hospital in in Massachusetts is going to, is going to have resources like that because the medical is up here. (laughs) Right. It's the privilege of having access to that. And even though I had to drive into the city for it, I didn't live that far from the city. I had the time to do it because I work for myself in the flexible schedule. And, you know, I, would like to apologize to that therapist now because I definitely thought she was full of it, but she was totally right. Um, in many ways, um, not about everything, but right in many ways. And, um, it was extremely helpful. And I think it's even more helpful for me now, I guess, as I have more perspective and I, as I've grown a lot more as a person Mm. and I've spent more time on, learning how to love myself, learning how to accept myself where I am, but also hold on to the hope and the belief and the knowledge that I can feel better than I do right now. Because for a long time, I worked through the acceptance, but I didn't really believe that I would feel better. I mean, I, you know, we all have our baseline, right? Right. Chronic pain, chronic fatigue, different things, you know, and, and in some ways we can see how we have ups and downs, right? I have muscle spasms in my feet specifically that I get shots for every three months. So like I, I have like a, you know, a roller coaster baseline um, of expectations. Yeah. But for the first time recently, I've been learning to accept where I am today, but also believe that I can feel better in the future, whether that's tomorrow or next week or next year, because look, am I going to cure my MS by thinking I can feel better? No, obviously not. Right. Um, I am not delusional, but if I don't believe I can feel better than I do right now, I definitely can't. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. And I think that's such a hard concept for so many people to grasp too, because it's, it's the domino effect of, my life sucks. I can't do this. I'm in pain. I'm miserable. And don't get me wrong. I man. Have those like, days. I, we all exactly. Do. We right. all have we those all days. Do. We all have those days. I'm not saying I'm a pro at this. It's a total work in progress. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What, um, and it's like, I usually ask this question towards the end of the conversation, but it, it's popping up now. And I think, you know, somebody out there that's listening to this probably needs to hear this. Um, I know for me, my advice when I talk to somebody that's really struggling or they're in a a darker, you know, I don't want to say depressive, but it's like once you start going down that dark rabbit hole, depression's the obvious catalyst of where it's going to end up. So it's (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, but um, I think, you know, perspective is a choice and your approach of how you want to view your obstacles in life is also a choice. So what, what advice do you have for somebody that 
may be newly diagnosed or somebody that maybe got diagnosed 10 years ago and they're still in that, no, this is the worst thing that's happened to me in my life? Ah, Britt, that's such a good question. Um, Jenna's now on the spot, everyone. (laughs) I know, right? It's not just the ring light. Um, I, I I need like cool letters behind me just total squirrel moment, but I, I think I'm, everybody needs a neon sign, by the way. I'm obsessed with yours just for the record. Um, Etsy, babe. I love it. <laughs> I did have for like two months after my birthday, a sign that said older, wiser, hotter in gold glitter letters hanging up <laughs> over here, but it may, it's been months now. So I did finally take it down. Anyway, uh, side note, total side note. Sorry. We are squirrely. <laughs> That's um, what our brain does. We're squirrel. Sorry, internet friends. Um, I would like to tell you that this is new from my diagnosis, my brain being like this, but no, it's always been this way. (laughs) I can't control it at times though, but I also know that you don't care. I don't because I love you. (laughs) I love you so much. So I, this advice has changed for me. Um, but if you are in such a dark place and I agree with you, Britt, that you do, you can choose how you feel about things. You can choose your words um, and how you speak about things and how you speak to yourself when you are mentally well enough to make that choice. Mm. And I think if you're not feeling mentally well enough, if you're feeling like you're in such a dark place that you cannot make those choices. And I'm not saying just for an hour or a day, because like we said, we both have those days. We both have those hours. We both have those moments. Right. Right. That's normal part of the human experience. We're growing, but we're still, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of trauma involved in. Yeah. There's a lot of layers. It's not, it's not cut and dry at all. Right. Like there are things going back to childhood that you might think about in terms of your worthiness and what society has told you and things like that. So it's, it's a long process, but if you feel more than, you know, a day or two, if you consistently feel like you cannot change your own mindset, you know, you cannot feel better. You cannot think in a more positive, you can't even try to change your thoughts. You know, right. if you have tools like, you know, free journals or, you know, whatever, you're just typing it out on your phone, you're speaking to friends or family. I would definitely say to talk to a medical professional, um, to talk to a therapist, to talk to someone about, and, you know, be open to the possibility of antidepressants, of some sort of medication, of some sort of talk therapy. Um, mm-hmm. I personally have been on antidepressants since before my MS diagnosis. I have no shame in talking about my depression. I oh, yeah. you and you and I have that in common big time. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm molecularly disposed to major depression. Exactly. It's a lot of it is a lot of while a lot of things are within our control, there is, it's not like I chose to have depression, just like I didn't choose to have MS, right. um, at least not consciously. These are not conscious choices. Exactly. Well, it's um, a chemical imbalance. It's, it's all, it's chemical. It's your body saying, I can't do this. <laughs> so that, that would be my best advice because for a long, you know, there are, I do believe that you can choose your mindset on things. Like you can't choose how other people react, but you can choose how you choose to react. You can choose how you choose to feel about yourself. You can choose to listen to doctors talking about it being a 
degenerative neurological disease and you know you technically probably statistically have this you know many years left or whatever you want to hear right you can choose to listen to that and to believe them and to give up and look i won't I, i won't judge you i'm there's no judgment here because we all make our own life choices we all do what we feel is best at the time right when with the information that we have Yes. You know, looking back now, I don't know if I would have started right away on medication or if I would have looked at more holistic options, mm. whereas I've always done kind of a combo of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. Yeah. Right. And, you know, but I, I do wonder what if what if I had been more open to holistic options at the beginning? But we, you know, I don't have regret. We can't live like that. I don't have energy. No. For that. First of all, totally. um, second of all, I know I was doing the best I could at the time with the information that I had. And that that's always going to be changing and growing, yeah. you know, whether it's new information from doctors and conferences and research or new information from, um, you know, other people that you're working with or holistic coaches or, yeah. You know, there's, I think there's so much shame though. There's so much shame that goes into mental health and, Mm -hmm. and even, even, you know, somebody having that, that initial, you know, desire of, Hey, I don't feel mentally healthy. I don't feel like I have the ability to pull myself out of this on my own. So I'm going to go seek help. There's so much shame that's, you know, that has this umbrella effect around the whole mental health stature that it's just, it's so unnecessary. And absolutely, you know, people with MS are statistically, I think 70% more likely to have anxiety and depression. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Not to mention at some point in the, in everyone's lives, they are going to go through a A funk. Right. In, in our world today, if you've never had a experience with depression or anxiety in your life, um, consider yourself lucky, but also perhaps look back on your past and see where you might not be realizing where it was affecting you. Because I know that there were times when I didn't realize that I could have made better choices. I could have felt better if I was more open to getting help and doing the work and not just phoning it in, you know, because it is also really hard when you're in that dark place even if you recognize that you need help to reach out and ask for that help. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. The strongest thing that you can possibly it's do. So, it's, it's so difficult to do that. It's so, it takes a lot of bravery and I'll tell you what, it's mm-hmm. super humbling. <laughs> it it is. is humbling for sure. Yeah. But I think people, you know, I mean me for, in terms of antidepressants and stuff, I was a little apprehensive because I'm so body sensitive Um, but side note for people that that are listening that don't know that this existed and I didn't know this existed until a year ago where there's actually genetic testing that your primary care physician or a general practitioner or whatever can, um, can set you up with to see what antidepressants your, your body is actually compatible with. I didn't know this. I had been trying different antidepressants for the longest time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're making me feel tremendously worse Absolutely. I felt, yeah, it's horrible. I felt sick. I felt poisoned. I felt worse mentally, uh, soulfully. I just felt horrible. Mm -hmm. And we ended up doing, 
uh, about a year ago, genetic testing, and I found out that I'm allergic to pretty much 90% of antidepressants. There's there's basically none that I'm compatible with. So I'm like, okay, let's just stick with meditation and <laughs> sure. That's okay because then you know there are other tools in your toolbox and you're not, you know, torturing yourself with things that don't get along with your body. Right. That's- I mean, but that is such a privilege to have a doctor that even knows about that right now. I know. And people don't know that this, that they, that they even would possibly have access to this, but it it was like, for me, I didn't want to feel like a Guinea pig anymore. Mm -hmm. I was like, look, I don't have another six months to feel horrible while we're trying X, Y, and Z. Right. Right. And you, you don't have, no, because you shouldn't have to waste your life or your energy like that. And you know, I hope that they come out with something like that one day for disease modifying therapies as well. Yeah. We're all yep. kinds of medication. Um, but at least, well, do you know what they're doing with Octave right now out yes, here in California? I know. Very exciting. So Octave, you guys, is a, a pharmaceutical company that has developed the first, whenever I say blood test for MS, people think it's a diagnostic blood test. It's not. It has nothing to do with diagnosis. What it is, is it identifies 18 different biomarkers within your uh, blueprint of where your specific disease is right now. Um, so for me, I know in every category I'm okay, except demyelination. My demyelination is, is heading towards moderate. Um, so to have access, and again, this just came out a couple of months ago, so they're still, I'm actually going to be working with them to, to spread the word and, and raise awareness. So, um, this is more offered and accessible to neurologists office and multiple sclerosis research centers and all that good stuff. So it's like, yes. Little changes are happening. <laughs> this they is amazing. Are. They are happening. And um, when I was at the MS Public Policy Conference in March, they talked about research where they'll be able to do a blood test to show whether you're having an MS flare-up. And yes. so you have active lesions. So you won't have to do MRIs um, as often. And I mean, that makes having a flare diagnosis supremely more accessible, first of all, accessible from a cost and time and energy standpoint, because no one wants to be in a, like aluminum tin can be bashed on for hours. Um, I mean, that's what it sounds like. They don't actually bash on you just for the Oh no, I understand. A hamster toilet paper roll. I, 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 they have to put me out now because I'm so bad. I'm crying in the machine. Like being nailed into a coffin. I don't recommend it. No, um, I mean, I can do fine. it. I do it with medication, but you know, you gotta do yeah. what you gotta do. But this way, this will, this is, there's great research happening and yeah. there are a lot of reasons to have hope. And there are a lot of reasons to believe that things will get worse because you know that you have demyelination is, is a moderate, right? But right. that doesn't mean that you're demyelinate. You can't there are also research and studies talking about remyelinating medications and right, yeah, yeah, supplements yeah. that help with myelination and other alternative therapies that help with myelination. And so I'd like was, to see that really kick off within the next five years. I feel like it will. Like we're getting, like we're getting well. closer to remyelination therapy, which is amazing because again, it's like once the damage is done, we've always been told, oh, sorry. Once the well, damage is done. Also, there's also neuroplasticity, which I know you also love um, Dr. Gretchen and she talks about yeah. a lot. Dr. Williams talks, I mean, all the doctors, right? 
Uh, everybody yeah, on the internet, they're yeah. always talking about neuroplasticity. And, um, you know, I last year I had a, a very large, very bad flare up that in hindsight redirected me in a way that I needed in my life. Um, but also scared the living crap out of me. Yeah. I was trying to not curse. That was like the best I could do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not even because I think you would care, but because my mom doesn't like when I curse on the internet. (laughs) I love that. Um, (laughs) so it, it was, it was terrifying because I couldn't even stand up for my own couch and I've always had strong legs. Like I, I grew up playing softball, you know, like Massachusetts, Yeah, you know, it, it was sports kids in Massachusetts. Right. I was such a sports kid. I only played the other sports to like help me like stay in good and better shape for softball because I'm not at all naturally athletic, but I had a passion for it. I still do. I right. still go to batting cages sometimes and I love it. Nice. Um, I love to play catch. Um, but last year when my left leg just did not want to work with my right leg and it felt like it was a tree stump, it wasn't even a foot drop. It was just felt like it was a concrete tree stump or something. Yeah. And so for me not to be able to stand up for my home couch was a terrifying experience. Right. And again, don't recommend it, but I, I have been known to have to learn some lessons the hard way. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of a theme in my life. I, I like to joke with um, one of my best friends that like my soul did not choose like human level easy when it incarnated here. <laughs> Um, or what I, I just picture like an avatar, <laughs> right? That's kind of what I pictured. There was that, that cute little movie about the souls. And, um, I, I, I don't mean this in a religious way at all. Um, because I, you know, I am very spiritual, but not, not in an organized religion way. So I hope it doesn't come yeah. off as like super creepy or I, and I'm not pushing this idea on anyone. I'm just saying like, you know, that l- cute little soul movie it was like a cartoon movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was adorable. Right. And so then I'm like, wow, my soul came to this world and did not choose like human level, like easy, <laughs> you know, and when something, when something happens, like we will just remind ourselves and it's like, wow, it's really hard to like, be like the badass one. <laughs> like yeah. you have to choose. It'll be like, oh, my soul had to choose level badass. Didn't it? Like this yeah. is another lesson. Like I get oh, it. I am going to be the one that heals some ancestral trauma here. Like I'm the one that's changing like the future for my niece or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. Isn't that I do. funny? I don't know. Maybe is that just something that you mentally start to become more, you know, cognitive of in your thirties, but I have felt that exact same shift. Like you, you pick up on patterns and you pick up on, you know, the, the, unhealthy dysfunction that may still be continuing. And you're like, Hmm, I need to veer this train off of a different track or this is this, the cycle is just going to keep repeating. Amen. But, exactly. You and know, but the, the, religious. Sorry, God. the reality <laughs> of when I found out and people, they ask me all the time, they're like, well, how are you so positive? And, 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 and I I've been challenged and, and I, again, I'm like, you know what, if you, if you like what I bring to the table, awesome. If you don't awesome too, like I, I know that I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and I know it's really, you know, difficult for somebody mm-hmm. that is struggling and that isn't a, um, you know, a not so optimistic mindset yet, because I think everybody has the ability to, to get there. 
with, like you said, with, um, with therapy, talk therapy, possibly medication, a support system, community, Absolutely. friends, whatever the heck that may All be. All of those things need to be combined. Yeah, exactly. But I think, um, for me, I can be completely honest in saying that my MS diagnosis was not the worst thing that's happened to me in life. I have come through major trauma that 99% of the world does not know about that eventually will be shared in a book. Um, so again, I, I sort of have this natural respect for the natural order of life. And I don't know, it's, it's this really difficult thing for me to even try to explain. I have a, a respect for the natural way of life and my body. And it's not like, okay, if I got into a car accident and I was rear-ended by somebody that was, you know, drinking and driving and they left me with an injury or paralyzed or, you know, something else, I think my mental approach of being able to accept that would be a lot different. But MS wasn't caused by something. It was again, something that my body decided that it needed to do. So I, I have a, a, a better grounded understanding for that, I think, because it wasn't something that was caused by somebody else. It's sort of just the natural way that my body is choosing to operate through life. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I, I love going to church, but I, I don't feel that it's necessary. Um, I think it's a good tool to use. Absolutely. Definitely. I but I'm, tools- Totally. But like as a Christian, I'm not, I'm not that like regimented, oh, I have to, or, you know, I'm going to be disappointing the universe and God and everybody else in it. But for me, I think that this was my way to really find purpose because I had been trying to find purpose for so long. And I meet people like you and Damien and Ardra and it's like, Dude, we have been dealt a really unfortunate hand, but we're choosing to create something beautiful out of it, which is so monumental. And it's like, it, it's the, what can I do with my time on earth and what kind of stamp can I leave? Because whether we're, you know, inspiring or encouraging or empowering somebody else or we're you know, one person or if it's a hundred people, it doesn't matter. The takeaway is still the same. Absolutely. And, you know, I couldn't agree more. And the, the mark and the impact I want to make on this world is constantly changing. Actually, it's recently it's changed a lot. I think in the last year for me, especially because I did move out of Massachusetts for the first time in my adult life at 38 years old, 38 and a half. Um, and I moved to a new state and I live in North Carolina where, no, I didn't really know anyone and I don't have any family, um, but I needed a fresh start. I needed a change. I didn't want to shovel snow anymore. You feel me on that one? I feel um, you. The winter is so rough on my pain. Yeah. And truly, I felt better than ever this last nine months. Or You have long. gone through a lot. You have lost loved ones. You have taken a, a completely different direction with your relationship yeah, um, I you have lost Jenna, like Jenna, a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, truly, mine was not related to the pandemic at all. Um, but, you know, uh, we've, we've all been through a lot. 
Yeah. And Jenna and I are also those human beings that believe that dogs are people. They're not just puppies. Absolutely. And I think of, you know, you, you lost Dixie, what, two years ago almost? Yeah. It's actually, it's been just two years now and my brain can't even fully comprehend that I've actually existed without her physical presence on this earth for the last two years. Cause she was one of the great loves of my life. Um, and I'm super grateful for her and she was there for me when no human could be when no human knew what to say or, you know, people have lives and jobs and have to go to work, whether they're your spouse or your parents or your loved ones. Um, you know, they, they need to take care of themselves too. Yeah. Whereas animals, dogs, especially they just want to conditional they're human. They want to love you and just be loved by you. And, and yes, of course she always did need dinner. She's very adamant about dinner time. Yeah. <laughs> she did not care how I was feeling. If it was dinner time, it was time to eat. And, you know, I really can never even be mad about that because I also enjoy dinner time. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and it was it was like probably very good for me to have to get up. Um, but especially some of those really dark days um, or really poor days. Um, yeah. But, you know, she was she was my best friend and support through some of the worst times in my life, MS related or not. And, um, I'm super, I'm super grateful for her, but yes, her loss has been devastating and very very hard for me, but also, um, again, so many great lessons and a great catalyst to see what do I want for my life? How can I change myself? and heal myself and work, focus on healing myself so that I can live my best life, despite what the doctors might say, or the prognosis or the disability scale, whatever that thing says, I don't don't care. You know, um, for many years, I believed it and I internalized it too much. And, you know, um, I internalized a lot of things that it took me a while to realize we're actually trauma. Um, and I know we've, I know a little bit more about your personal experience with trauma, but I think I, I growing up, you know, and, and a lot of doctors or a lot of therapists will ask you this, especially after an autoimmune diagnosis, because they do say, while they don't have any idea what specifically causes MS and they believe it's a host of things, they do say that trauma and traumatic experiences can lead to autoimmune diseases, especially when you're younger. And I was like, I literally had the best childhood. Like I did not have any trauma. I have not had a traumatic life. I have a lot of privilege. My life is awesome. My family is great. Like we don't always get along, but we love each other. Right. I mean, like I love my family, but it's not, um, you know, it's not to say that it's perfect. We're not separate. Well, we're oh, totally. well, I think that's an East coast thing too. It's like my, my family and I, we can have like throw down fights and stuff. Not like physical, obviously we're not animals people. <laughs> we can agree this to disagree. Be... Huh? We can agree to disagree. We can have, yeah, exactly. like, we'll have arguments and it will get a little ugly. And then the next day we're like, okay, did we all get it out of our system. Like, are we, are we good now? Like it's, it's, I don't know. It's just East coast where it's just, there's no sweeping under the rug and nothing's hidden and you're going to know how everybody feels and, and that's it. Like there's no, there's no hiding anything. Yeah. I can't even hide it on my face. No, I can't um, either. You know, my facial expressions don't lie. Sometimes my mouth can like, you know, keep some words inside, but my face, my face can't keep the words inside. (laughs) My face, I can't do it. So there's that. 
Um, but <laughs> someone told me recently, uh, gosh, and I, I don't remember the exact quote, but they said something along the lines of trauma isn't defined by being some sort of horrifying experience, like an accident or an assault or, or something awful. Trauma can be anything that your body perceives, especially as a child, that your body perceives as dangerous. Yes. And as a young child, your body might perceive crying as dangerous because your caretakers tell you to quit it and stop crying and that they're not going to give you what you want if you cry, right? I mean, it can be like one random thing that your childhood brain has internalized for years. Yeah. I don't know if, I'm obviously not a medical professional. I'm not a trained psychologist, so please to your own therapist. No, I think we're, we're experienced and, and with experience, you, you gain knowledge and then you gain perspective and then you gain tools of how to navigate things a little bit differently. So that cycle doesn't keep repeating itself because it will that cycle, unless you identify those points and, and pinpoint those, you know, triggers that are instigating the same repetitive dysfunction over and over again, unless you're able to identify it and have that, you know, that little ear that goes up and perks and goes, huh, this is making me feel funny. Or this is, you know, putting a a little weird feeling in my gut. Um, You know, it's really hard to even do anything if you can't identify it first. Right. And identifying it is super hard work and it's super uncomfortable. And I would generally say, I don't recommend super hard work that's super uncomfortable, but this work I actually do recommend unfortunately. Sorry. Um, yeah. spoiler alert. I'm sorry about it because it sucks, but it is worth it. Um, and it's okay to recognize that you can sit in that uncomfortable time, but you don't have to live there. You know, you can work through it with a professional, with someone you trust, um, with yourself, like however you, you find is best, you know, but working through it doesn't make it always solve every issue, but it does help you to stop repeating those patterns. And it's okay to recognize that things were traumatic, even if the other people involved, like you still have love for them. You still care about them. You love them. Um, You know, they're like, it's okay to admit that, like for me, a lot of healing from my, my divorce and my, decade-long marriage to my ex-husband. It's now been, you know, almost three years, but um, we were together for half my life. Um, You know, and he's a a good person. I have no ill will towards him. But healing from that divorce was more healing from my personal traumas than it is, it was healing from heartbreak. Right. And it it took me more than a year to even figure that out. And, yeah. and like I said, he was not a bad guy. There was no physical, there was no type of abuse. I want to be very clear about that. Um, I, again, I wish him all the best. Um, this is not me trying to bash him publicly on the internet. Yeah. Oh, and you know, I, I have so much love and respect for you for even being able to approach this topic one, but being able to approach it, approach it with class and, and dignity is just so beautiful. Um, and we have completely different, uh, opinions in this. Cause my, my first husband, I'm like, no, I hope he's rotting in a ditch somewhere because well, he, he was, he, he was so physically abusive. And, 
it, it was just horrible marriages and in yeah oh for sure definitely you, so, you know about my train wreck <laughs> right so there, I'm not saying that I'm like all love and light and love and forgive everyone because I'm not that way no okay that's no I don't think most humans have that capacity I just yeah. I don't at this moment that's for sure um and just to say I wish him well doesn't mean that I want to hang out with him or talk right. with him because I don't I I don't absolutely do not. Um, and that's okay. But I know that this is what's best for me. Yeah. And you know, you made the best choice for you. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I, I just think when the trauma isn't clear, like as something that they define on law and order or something like they find traumatic, that healing that trauma and moving forward and not repeating those patterns and learning to love yourself and heal yourself is so much harder because you think, well, so many people have had it so much worse. My life is so great. What do I have to complain about? Why am I depressed? What? I can't say that I had trauma. I had a great childhood. Like my, my parents are amazing. Like I lived in the cutest little neighborhood. Like I have a great family. Like I'm very lucky, but that doesn't mean that I didn't experience trauma, like from a bully on the playground when I was a kid that I've internalized my entire life. You know, um, <laughs> I got beat up on the bus quite often. I got shoved in lockers. It was nuts. But I think it's really, really hard when you get older and you start having more, you know, cognitive awareness of these patterns and you mm-hmm. recognize that some of those dysfunctional patterns are actually coming from family members. And that's really, really hard. So I was raised by my mom and my stepdad, but I, we don't use step terms mm-hmm. at all, right. like in our family, like my my stepdad's my dad. Like he raised me. He's, he's my daddy. Um, but you know, about a year ago, again, the, the same repetitive narcissistic dysfunction that I had been subliminally finding in partners my whole life through, through Mm -hmm. teens and early twenties. Um, it was becoming more evident of where it came from. And that was my birth father. And it was, you know, I, I didn't have him in my life for a good 15 years, um, from 13 till whatever, 15 years after that is, uh, I'm not going to do math right now with holes in my brain. Sorry guys. <laughs> and, um, you know, gave him the second chance and like, okay, well let's see. And again, like the same dysfunctional, unhealthy communication starts again. And, you know, the, the same addictive behavior, um, starts being a parent of like, okay, well, obviously there is a, there's a problem with possible alcohol abuse again. And, and I'm like, this isn't something that I need to have in my life. And I'll tell you what, it does not make it suck less because I'm still upset about it. I hate that it had to come to this. You know, I, I unfortunately lost a relationship with my stepmom and my, my stepsister. And I hate that. And it upsets me on a daily basis where I think like, oh gosh, like, I wonder if I should reach out. But then at the same time, I have to remind myself, you know, if they wanted to reach out, they would have too. So I was always the one, like, I'm going to initiate it. I'm going to initiate communication. I'm going to be the fixer. (laughs) Empath over here, people. We love to fix all of the things. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But at some point you have to just sit back, sit back and say, I can't be a hero and I can't fix everything. You can't, you cannot fix everyone. You can only, you can't 
you can't. And that's been one of the hardest lessons I've ever had to learn for me. Um, yeah. that's, I can only imagine how hard it's been for you, but I'm super freaking proud of you. Like super Aww, proud because I'm doing proud of you. Like that, making that type of choice for yourself when you know you have to love people from a distance because it's not healthy to have them in your life. Yeah. And you have to put yourself first because you cannot help anyone else if you can't help yourself first. No, I know. But I know. And with Father's Day happening a couple of days ago, it's like, of course, like, what am I? Just like this heartless buffoon animal that's like, I'm not thinking of, of anybody. It's like, no, that's not that's not realistic. Like, of course, of course, your yeah. your brain thinks, oh, I wonder how they're doing and I hope they're doing okay. But it's like when every communication, you have to make sure that nobody else is within earshot because you're afraid of what's going to be on the other end of the phone. It's like, uh, yeah, that's not okay. But you know, John has been so supportive too, because, you know, he's had to set boundaries with members of his family. Um, you know, his mom in particular and, that was, he claims that was the best decision for him. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. So it's like, it, it, I'm grateful to have, you know, a, um, a husband that has that mutual understanding and we both get it. And it, the, the, it sucks never goes away. No. It will never go away. It doesn't never. go away, but boundaries, whether it means cutting someone else out of your life entirely, if that's the best thing for you, fully support that. But if, or boundaries within having a relationship with them, yeah. whatever it is. Boundaries are the true form of self-care. Yes. Boundaries are number one self-care. And I did not know that for years and I still struggle with it all the time. Yeah, you have to check yourself. You really have oh, to check yourself. You do. And you're when your nervous system is dysregulated from years of trauma, whether it's you know, illness related or emotional or, you know, societal or, you know, systemic or all of the above. Yeah. You all have the a dysregulated things. nervous system because you live in this world right now, um, yeah. perhaps. Um, and you don't know how to trust your gut and your gut is, you know, kind of constantly in a state of distress. Um, it's yeah. very hard to continuously set those boundaries for yourself, especially if you're an empathic people pleaser type person like we yeah. are, you know, I want everyone to be happy and love each other and get along. And I'd like to change the whole world, but I don't know how I can do that and physically stay well mentally yeah. and, and mentally stay well too, because yeah, uh, for me, you know, there's times where I really have to step away from social media and the news and things like that. And that's very hard for me because like I said, my friends live in my phone. Um, yeah. I feel like I, if I, I feel like if I don't identify as someone with an MS diagnosis or a disability advocate or something like that, I feel like I don't, I don't know who I am or I don't have my community. Yeah. But Isn't that wild? It's like crazy. It's, I mean, I don't yeah. mean to say crazy, but it's wild. Exactly. It's wild because yeah. eight years ago, I thought I knew exactly who I was. And, you know, now seven and a half years out now I know that who I am is constantly changing and can only really be defined by me. But yeah. um, it, also it's okay. Like I've grown as a person. And also I know that, you know, um, some people will listen to this and think, well, you know, she's full of it. And Right. Good for her. Yeah. 
thinking that you trying to change your mindset and doing all that work to try to think that you could feel better or, you know, talk to your inner child about sometime your kid was mean to you on the playground and why you have to feel like you have to always be overachiever or funny or outspoken advocate and change the whole world, like whatever. I just, you know, blurted all of that out. <laughs> yeah. No, no, um, no. I, I, I get it. get it. And that's okay. Cause you know, not everyone's on the same journey. Not everyone is meant to be my friend, even though I would like them all to be my friend, that people please are part of me. Yeah, I know. Um, me too. Right. But then I'm like, eh, maybe just their dogs. <laughs> I'll take your pooch. <laughs> Can I just be friends with your dog, please? <laughs> no, it's true. Very dog it's... friendly and people bring their dogs everywhere. And Aww. that's how I've made a lot of friends. True story. People are like, I well, how did you make you. friends? I'm like, basically I petted their dogs. Um, and then eventually I learned the human's (laughs) names. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, I understand. I totally, totally get it. And it's, it's, um, you know, it, it, I think it, it says something for being vulnerable and being open with the fact that you have to be comfortable with putting it all out there, but it's, it's really hard, um, too, especially for, finding the power in vulnerability, I think, because again, there's a lot of shame that goes along with disability in general and feeling Mm -hmm. like you have to overcompensate for your gratitude in order to Mm -hmm. just be on the receiving end of normal accessibility. Right. I shouldn't have to be thankful that I'm able to use your lavatory. If that's my existence, then, um, the most amazing disability advocates said that is a, a version of that. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name entirely. She just passed recently in March. Um, and she was like one of the founders of the disability movement. And uh, we'll think of it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Please brain melt moment. But, um, so I'm curious, who are the, who are the first people that you sort of gravitated towards? After my diagnosis. Yeah. Um, hmm, good question because you didn't have MS then. Um, mm-hmm. we didn't have an MS diagnosis, but in my head, we've been friends for at least a decade, my entire life, obviously. <laughs> um, my entire life, obviously. Um, I did have a local friend that had an MS diagnosis. She's not online. Um, but shout out to Angie who, when I was first going through it and it, I was really, really mad, really in the anger stage, like so mad that I could not see I was even in the anger stage. Um, she said, well, maybe I got MS to help you through your MS. And I was like, that sucks for you. Like, that's stupid for you. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. terrible. Um, and uh, I very much do not believe that things happen for a reason then. And now even I'm not sure that I do or I don't, but um, I, now I think less that it matters because things happen and it's how you choose to perceive them. It's yes, it's a choice. Fear is inevitable, but your reaction to it is a decision. Right. Like at some point in their lives, if someone lives long enough, they will become disabled. So disability is not something to be feared or othered or, um, you know, looked down upon. And right. I never would have, 
I never had that perspective before. Um, but Angie um, definitely helped me a lot in that in that first time. Um, but on the internet, Damien, absolutely. Damien Washington was... How can you not love Damien Washington? Right? If you guys don't know who Damien Washington is and you're listening to this, please go friend him because he's like the coolest kid on the block. Amazing. And Ardra helped. Ardra, um, she's always been speaking my language when it comes to MS. Um, that's for sure. Um, I love her and her, her sass and her attitude. Oh my gosh. So much sass, but it's so Um, poignantly stated though. It's not just a chick with an attitude. It's a chick with so much substance and so much backing where the spunk is coming from. It's just, it's so appreciated. So appreciated. And, um, Kathy Chester made a huge difference for me, especially at first. Um, her blog, I think I, just binge read it. Um, she's absolutely amazing. Like she's lived with MS for more than 35 years. Yeah. A long time. I have like, um, but we actually had the opportunity to meet in person recently (gasps) and it was, that's right. I saw you guys together somewhere and my heart was so happy. It was. And it was like, obviously I've known her for my whole life. I'm like, I was like, I can't wait. We're going to hang out again soon. So, hey, Kathy. I adore um, her. I think she's my friend now. I'm a we're friend. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I feel like that, Um, you know, I'm like, oh, I know him. Like, when I see your picture, like, in an ad or something, I'm like, look, that's my friend on the internet. I'm, I, I know. I'm it's so, so funny. So, proud. so, like, I forget, you know, being an advocate and disability advocate and, like, putting yourself out there. You forget because you have MS and you have terrible memory, but you forget what you're involved in. And so Jenna was like, she texted me a picture last week of something that I was in. I'm like, what is this? Like, how do you remember doing this? 100% have been there. Oh my gosh. But it's like, 100%. For, for what we do, and I think our why, it doesn't, it for me, it doesn't matter. It's like, if, if, if it's a chance for me to share my perspective and share my experience and raise awareness, then I'm going to say yes to everything. I don't care if you've got an amazing, you know, following or a huge platform, or if you're just starting out, it's like, that's, it's irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant to our cause and why we're doing this and why we've taken a shift in our life to say, I'm going to take something really crappy. I'm going to put some glitter and sprinkles on it and say, look at this. It's magical now, you know? Right. There's nothing I love more than that. And seeing how transferable our experiences and our skills are. Like I had the pleasure of speaking with um, some rare disease advocates and also just recently um, some rare disease nonprofits. Um, which um, was sponsored by Patient Authentic and Horizon Therapeutics, where they organized these two different um, days, like a Rare Mindset Forum and Rare Emerging Leaders um, Discussion Day. I'm messing up the names, but um, it's okay. I had the pleasure of being asked to speak about marketing um, with these groups. But marketing is, you know, a big skill set of what I do. I'm a marketing strategist. I'm a marketing contractor. Um, you know, I've been a freelancer contractor in this space for a decade now. And, and like I said, I've been in marketing and speaking about marketing, training small business owners and um, advocates and leaders and people for a long time now since you know, before social media was really a thing. Um, And (laughs) being able to, I I look at that as being such a privilege to be able to be a part of the community 
that understands what it's like to live with something that is life altering to oh, yeah. not um, physically always feel your best, to not know what's next, to not have a cure, to not have, um, you know, and, and even in comparison, because MS is not technically a rare disease, there are a million of us. Um, mm -hmm. Although one of my diseases caused by my MS, likely dystonia, which is the type of movement that I have in my feet is technically rare. But um, so I still, you know, technically, but regardless, we Look have- Look at you so showing people. off over there, you collector, you. I know. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just like to collect a lot of these diagnoses, but I am no longer letting them rule how I see my life or my future. Like that's yeah. a big change. But also being able to connect with people that regardless of if they've had similar experiences or have- uh, the same disease or even autoimmune issues or anything, you can connect with them on a level that other people can't, just like we said, you know, it's, you don't get it unless you get it yeah. and to be able to help people in this space, whether, you know, it's marketing strategy or advocacy or telling my story and being vulnerable. And yeah. even some of that is telling my story and being vulnerable when I'm talking about marketing strategy, because people are always like, well, what do I post? What do I not post? And I'm like, well, it's really kind of up to you, you know, everything. I, I just go everything like vulnerability is such a superpower that I think is underestimated severely because again, we're worried of, oh, well, what are people going to think? And are people going to judge me? And it's like, look, I just did a partnership with Genentech and they've got a Facebook um, collaborative uh, paid partnership post right now. And there is a slew of judgmental comments that I have to weed through and filter through of saying, well, obviously, you know, you have chronic illness because of what you did to your body with tattoos. It's like, okay, look, <laughs> look, look, people, you know, the majority of a side note, the majority of my body work was collected 15 years prior to my diagnosis. So it's like, okay, come on. I I'm, might I'm, throw down on the internet for that. Huh? I might have to throw down on the internet about that. <laughs> I know I have to filter through things, but it's like, look, people are going to judge. People are going to be ignorant. People are going to say stupid things that goes without saying, and it's always going to happen. So it's like, when you go into it, knowing what to expect. And unfortunately going into it, knowing that, yeah, there's going to be a day where you open up your feet and you're going to be extremely disappointed. But again, people have their opinions and that's fine. And people are going to judge. That's also fine. I'm confident in knowing that after speaking for 10 minutes with somebody that I could probably change their opinion about what, you know, what their opinion is about what people like me look like, like right. I get that and that's right. totally fine. So I think that, you know, approaching bragging about the most difficult parts of your life. No, it's not an easy thing, but I'll tell you what, once you start, it is so invigorating and it is so empowering. And it also, I think it kind of becomes addictive because you're like, oh my gosh, I just, I just went with it and I bragged about it and I put myself out there and then tomorrow I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again. And you start to see people's opinions and like you can see their eyes going wide in that aha moment where they start to become a little bit more sparked to do the same thing and mm -hmm. to start because it's like, oh, I got the promotion. Oh, I got the house. Oh, we're having the baby. Well, having the, have you seen the baby? You know, there's all these 
cheerleading moments about all the good stuff. But when it comes to the bad things, and you guys have heard if you've, if you're an avid listener of this podcast, you guys have heard me say this probably a thousand times. We have to start looking at the disasters as victories too, because it's all part of it. It's all part of the bigger picture. Right. Like, like, please do not give, like, give me your condolences on my divorce I, I or my di- MS diagnosis either, you know? Oh, I hate the, um, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. sorry. I'm like, I'm okay, not sorry. Would you like me to make you feel better about it? Like, I'm still, I'm okay. Like my life is really good. Didn't you see my pretty cane? Like, what do you want to talk about? Like, yeah, oh, you look so good. And I know they mean well, obviously. Um, I like to assume that everyone does mean well, but you know, you and I share a similar passion for changing people's minds about perception and you never know yeah. what someone might be going through. And you know, just because you're wearing makeup doesn't mean you're not in pain. And exactly, uh, we are perception wizards, people, right? It's a superpower (laughs) that comes with your diagnosis sometimes or some things with your life. Um, Yeah, but you, my friend, are a superhuman. I think you are a superhuman. I'll I'll tell you what, and I told Damien this, and I, I tell Ardor this too frequently. I would not be who I am or where I am right now. I would not have even have had the chutzpah or the spark to start a hot MS as a brand without you guys. I, I, I would not know what to do. I remember you guys like almost four years ago, I was messaging Jenna because we found each other on Instagram and then we figured out that we were both from Massachusetts and I'm like, Oh, you're a mass hole. Yes. I understand this woman, you know? And I remember asking you like, okay, well, how do I start? And where do I start? And you're like, just write, just blog, you know, look for opportunities. And I owe you so much gratitude. And I, I'm not just saying this, honey, Mm -hmm. I am so grateful to you because I would not be where I am and I would not have the space to be able to help others and the space to be able to connect with others and, you know, be that hopefully be that catalyst of somebody feeling proud about their disability and proud about their, their diagnosis. I would not have been able to do any of this without you. Oh, sweetheart. Same. I don't think I would have gotten through the last three years without you and your friendship. And I'm so grateful for you. And I know that there are literally millions of people, some that haven't even met you or heard you yet that are living better lives because of you. So thank you. I feel the same way about you, honey. Grab your tissues, people, because we're going to get moist up in here. (laughs) Brought water, but not tissues. (laughs) So when are you coming to California, woman? Because it needs to happen. Um, ASAP, probably when it's a little cooler. Yes, please. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't come until like November. Yes. When it's cooler for everyone, let's do Yeah. That. No, it, it's it, the weather. We can't No, This is just, it's, it's unacceptable. It's, it's, it's not okay, but we do have a guest room and the house is always a cool 72 degrees. So. Okay. And I might just <laughs> snuggle your dog home in my. Please. Oh, you can borrow Chico anytime. He's, he's, uh, he's my soul pup. I'll he's my steal, soul I'll pizza. I'll steal him for a minute. I'm just kidding. I won't steal him all the way. <laughs> Well, I hope that everybody listening got something out of it, whether it be something comical or, or something to really, you know, sort of be that spark, be that ig- ig- ignition of 
putting your your perspective or putting your mindset or putting your boundaries in a different direction. I always do this at the end of every podcast and it's like the the on the spot moment. But please, because I know you are packed full of knowledge and awareness and so much beauty, please leave us with something that you think is is pertinent for our, our listeners to hear, Jenna. Oh gosh. You know, it's not like I haven't watched all of your other episodes, true, but I didn't think about this in advance. (laughs) I also kind of think it's best on the spot, but I think um, trust yourself and know that you know yourself best, you know your body best, and you are the only one that can change your life. You cannot rely on anyone else to do that. You can ask for help. Don't be afraid. But um, at the end of the day, You have to be your own best advocate in every form, in relationships, in doctor's offices, in alternative research, in committing to meditating and committing to boundaries in all of those things. You have to trust yourself and believe that you are are worthy of good things because you are. Thanks for listening to All the Odds with that crazy tattooed MS chick. What's her name again? Oh, right. A hot MS. When you're not listening here, check out her website for the latest blog or shoot her a DM on the gram. Oh, yeah, she's on that TikTok thing, too. And don't forget to celebrate your disasters. Your victories get enough attention. 